to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. Years back when my, my wife was serving at Calvary Costa Mesa, she was on the switchboard for many years. How many years were you on the switch? 20 years on the switchboard at Calvary Costa Mesa, answering the phones. Calvary Chapel, can you hold? Calvary Chapel, can you hold? Calvary Chapel. I used to love walking in there. She would have a conversation with me and about 10 other people at the same time. She's like, sometimes I didn't know if she was talking to me or someone else. She's like, Is that, you talking to me? She said, no, I'm talking to the person over here. And she just, just that talent that she has to do that. But years ago, she, she talked to uh, someone there in, in Scotland where she's from, and she found out that her, her father was ill and not doing well at all. And, and so she wanted to go visit her dad, but she didn't have any finances to do that. So she wasn't able to fly back to Scotland. And, and she was, it just was breaking her heart. And she was just praying. And she didn't tell anybody. And within that week, somebody walked in the, the front office where she was. And, and uh, he said, you know, he, he was there with his, his wife. And he said, you know, we have frequent flyer miles. And they're going to expire after a while. And we don't really need them. And God's kind of put us on your heart. We know you're from the UK. Could you use these, these miles? And, and she just, you know, started crying. She's like, wow, because she knew it was God. And the miles that they had were just a, enough for her to go, you know, have a round trip, go to Scotland and come back. And she knew it was just a, just a God thing. But, but when that was happening and when the Lord was doing that, God spoke to her heart with that and says, you keep taking care of my business and I'll take care of your business. And that's scriptural. You know, we, when we take care of God's business, God takes care of our business. When we, when we do the things of the Lord, God will take care of our business. When we truly put him first and we just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, God takes care of everything else. And there'll be that temptation, I believe, to, to you know, not put God first. But we can get, in, you know, busy and so busy that we don't have the time that we need to have to spend the time with the Lord and to do what God's called us to do because we're so busy. Someone once said, you know, busy spells out B-U-S-Y, right? Being under Satan's yoke. B-U-S-Y. Being under Satan's yoke. And that, that can happen in this world. You can become just so busy that you're, you're under the, the, the yoke of Satan instead of under the yoke of God. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm gentle. I'm lowly of heart. You shall find rest for your soul. Come unto me, all you who labor, heavy laden. And that might be you today. When we talk about giving, God wants to give you rest. God wants to give you spiritual rest. He wants you to, to really rest in him and trust in him that he'll take care of everything. Paul the Apostle told us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he said, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Who's supplying for your needs? Who's supplying for your spiritual needs? Who's supplying for your emotional needs? Who's supplying for your financial needs? Who's supplying for you? Well, Paul said God wants to do it. He wants to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you know how rich God is? He owns everything. We have a very rich God. 
And so often we, in our mind, we say, well, if only this person shows up for me and only that thing happens and only I get this or if I can just get that and, and we're just always hoping on this or that person or this, this something to, to come through when actual, in, in actuality, all we need to do is just you know, pray that God comes through and he will. I don't know if you heard the story about L.J. Kraft. He was the, was the CEO of the Kraft Cheese Company, the Kraft Cheese Corporation. We're told that he gave approximately 25% of his enormous income to the Christian cause, to the work of the Lord. 25% he gave of his millions that he had. And this is what he said, quote, whoops. He said, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. That's craft. The only investment I have ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. And I find that true in my life. I remember about two years ago, our car broke down, the transmission went out on our vehicle. And so we were, you know, looking at how much that's going to be. And it was quite a bit. And we're trying to weigh it out. You know, do we want to invest that kind of money in the vehicle that's not, you know, wasn't worth really investing that kind of money in. So we're just kind of pondering that and figuring out what we're going to do. And, and then all that kind of stuff was going on. And during that, we received a phone call from somebody. And they said, uh, a friend of mine called me up and says, Joe, you know, I'm going to buy a brand new vehicle. I've got a, a, a 2012 SUV. He says, you know, could I donate that to the church? And I said, did you know that our transmission just went out? He goes, no, I didn't even know that. And I knew it was God. We can't outgive the Lord. And I, I hope we realize that. We can't outgive God. In Malachi, and I want to point this out, and some people take this, these verses in a negative way. I've always taken them in a positive way. I've never looked at Malachi chapter 3 in a negative way, you know, as a rebuke to me. I've always looked at it in a positive way, and I'm going to show you why. In Malachi 3, 7, picking up in verse B here, the, the, in the middle of the, the verse, it says, return to me. This is the Lord. And he says, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? So they're, they're thinking, we don't need to return to you. Yeah, we're, you know, we're believers. We don't, why are you saying return to me? And then God says, will a man rob God? And then it says, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. He says, you are cursed with the cursed, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So speaking to the children, the, the Jewish people, the children of Israel, telling them that you've robbed me, you've, you haven't you know, brought in your tithes like you're supposed to, your offerings. But listen to this. Then he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So bring all, a tithe is simply 10%. So bring 10% into the storehouse, to the house of the, of the Lord. You should give to the house of the Lord. 10% doesn't even belong to you, into the house of the Lord, that there may be food in my house. So they weren't giving their, their, their tithes so there wasn't food in their house. They had to, they didn't, the ministers that were there, they weren't able to, to supply for them. They weren't able to take care of the ministers. So there wasn't enough food in the house. And God's saying, you're robbing, you know, my house. Why are you doing that? And then he says, and this is the part that I highlighted in red. And the reason why I highlighted in red, because this is the good, we just read the negative end of it, but I always look at the positive end of this. It says, and try me now in this. And you know, this is the only place in scripture where God says, you know, try me, test me. 
And he's talking about tithes and offering. And he's saying, test me in this. You try me in this. In other words, you try and see if this isn't going to bless you, if this isn't going to work out for you. So he says, and try me in this. Listen, says the Lord of hosts, God speaking, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. So some people look at this whole thing and say, oh, you know, I can't believe God wants me to give 10% and all this, and I can't. And then they look at it in a negative way, and that doesn't count in the New, you know, doesn't, they don't talk about tithing in the New Testament. That's an Old Testament thing, and they get all upset and rally. I look at this and say, praise God, it says just give 10%. I, you know, I really honestly look at this and say, I get to keep 90%? I get to have 90% of it? It's like, really, Lord? And then when I keep 90% and I just, you know, tithe 10% to the church, to, the, to your house, and then you're saying that I, I can't even contain the blessings that you're going to do. I, I can't even contain what, what you're going to pour out and what you're going to take care of if I do this. And I always look at it a positive way. And then you do have people that say, well, you know, tithe. I, as a matter of fact, I, I just received a letter just the other day and someone's, you know, told me, oh, I can't believe you believe in tithing and it's not talked about in the New Testament and this, and they said, please don't read my letter out loud. So I won't read the letter out loud, so. (laughs) But to that I say, it does talk about it in the New Testament. Jesus himself says, woe to you Pharisees. It says, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and you pass by justice and the love of God. So, so, Jesus, get the picture, he's rebuking the Pharisees and he says, you guys tithe mints. In other words, you, you give a tenth of everything and then so much so that even your mints, your little herbs, if you, if you, you know, your, your farms and you get herbs and stuff, you take a tenth and make sure you make, you, you're so meticulous that you're tithing, even with your, the mints and the, the mint and all your herbs. But he says, but you forgot about justice and love. But then he goes on to say, listen, he says, these you ought to have done. In other words, you, you should be tithing, he's saying. You, you should do that. And you can't miss that. It says, these you ought to have done. You, you should take care of your tithe, but without leaving the others undone. You should be tithing, but you should also be passing, you should be loving and being just and being good and all these other things. Years ago, when I sold my house in Michigan, there was quite a bit of equity. There was a pretty good profit on the house. When I was in the corporate world, I did you know, pretty good financially and all. And when I sold it, I wanted to give a, a, a tenth to the Lord. Obviously, it was an increase, so I wanted to you know, give back 10 back to the church. We were at Calvary Costa Mesa at the time, and, and we were overseeing the newly married couples fellowship. And so I thought, well, you know, it'd be nice if I could just keep this and maybe put in a separate bank account and then it would still be the church's, but I'll use it. And then for the newly married couples fellowship, I could give to that and I'll have my own account. And, then, and basically I wanted to control it. But I thought it's for ministry. This makes sense, God. I mean, you, we could, let's make a deal here. You know, I'll just, I'll make, I won't use it for nothing else. This is yours. But I wanted to control it. And I think that's what our, our, our heart can do sometimes. Because it's a big sum. When it was $100 or $10 or $50 or $80 or $200, that's nothing. When we're talking thousands of dollars, it's like you're all of a sudden you become, this is mine, you know? And I was almost like, I don't know if I want to just do that. And, you know, how can I trust those that I give it to? And all this stuff can go on your heart. And I remember the Lord spoke to my heart very clearly and says, do you want to increase your, your ministry or do you want me to increase your ministry? Pastor Chuck used to always say, he says, give where you go, basically. He says, if you go eat dinner at a restaurant, you don't go down the street to another restaurant and pay the, 
you know, pay them. You, you pay where you eat. You know, you don't, it doesn't make sense that you go somewhere else. And, and so that's a, a good rule, as it says, to, to, to bring all the money into my storehouse. So a good rule. Just want to point out in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul the Apostle, writing to the church at Corinth, he says, now concerning the collection for the saints, he says, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. What does he say to do? On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there will be no collection when I come. So Paul's saying, you know what? I don't want you to have some big collection when I come. Just at the first day of the week on Sundays, take up an offering and just, you know, put aside did you notice as you would prosper, as he shall prosper? So it does speak of, you know, that's why we, we try to do what we do here biblically. And for, for Sundays, we take up an offering according to, to what Paul told the church there in Corinth to do. Let's go look back in our text, please. Verse 7. Back in our text, the last two verses. The apostle John speaking says, because they went forth... For his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. So John is saying they went forth for his name's sake, talking about those that were ministering, those that Gaius was taking care of. They were taking nothing from the Gentiles. This doesn't mean the Gentile Christians. This speaks of unbelievers. They weren't taking anything from the the unbelievers. There was some out there that would... Uh, go into the crowds and they would ask for, you know, offerings to be taken from the unbelievers. And so the ministers could get paid from unbelievers. And, and, and John's saying, no, these guys, they're legitimate. They, they don't expect unbelievers to take care of their ministry. So he's just reminding uh, Gaius that, hey, these guys aren't soliciting unbelievers. They're, they're realizing that God's going to take care of them. So you're doing such a good job that you're doing that. You're taking care of it. And he says, we therefore ought to receive such, or the word even receive is support such, that we may become fellow workers for the truth. If you've been to this church long enough, say you've been here a year, two years, as I'm looking around the room, there's people that have been here for many, many years. You realize the only time I teach on tithing and giving is when it's in the text. I know that God supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But the thing is, is I don't want I don't want to be negligent when it comes to teaching on these things because as Paul the Apostle said, it's not that I desire a gift, but I desire the fruit that abounds to your account. And I believe that's important to realize that you know, God does teach on giving and the importance of it. And the reason why I shy away from it is not because of the Bible. I won't apologize for the Bible. But the reason why is because I've seen such a misuse of Scripture in ministries that all they talk about is giving and, and you know, you're going to prosper. You write the Lord a check for 10000 he'll give you 100000 And you just give $50 and he'll give you $5,000. And you just give to God and praise God, you need to give. You need to give more. Let's do another offering, you know. Just a, and all this prosperity teaching. And I personally... I'm very against that type because it's not godly. It's not, it's not this prosperity doctrine is, is not biblical. It's, it's, you know, it's where everyone has to be wealthy and prosper and all that. You don't see that in the Bible. But I don't want to not teach the, the, what the Bible teaches when it comes to giving. And I don't want you and I to miss out on it. I, I love the fact that we have a giving God. Some people, you know, God 
tends to bless more. And I, I personally know people, I know people that are very wealthy and they're very, they have big hearts of giving. They give a lot of money and they can't outgive God. And you watch their hearts and you just see it. And it's a wonderful thing. I recently read about a man called, I don't know if you've heard of this, this man, R.G. Letourneau. Have you heard of him? He died in 1969. He was known as, people, many people knew him as God's businessman. Through his course of life, he, he secured nearly 300 patents regarding earth-moving equipment. So he invented like these earth-moving, uh, these, uh, this equipment that, that you know, moves the earth and all that kind of stuff. I'm told that I read that uh, his factory supplied nearly 70% of earth-moving equipment and engineering vehicles for World War II. 70% used by our allied forces. Check this out. This man was so successful, he ended up giving 90% of his profits to the work of the Lord. 90%. So he did what it's called reverse tithing. So instead of giving 10%, he took 90% of everything that he had and he gave it to the Lord and it equaled to tens of millions of dollars. That's back in 1950s. And and that would be like billions of dollars today. And when he was asked, check this out, this quote, when he was asked, how can you do that? You know, how can you give 90%? And he's, he's like, this was his answer. He says, I keep shoveling money out the front door. God keeps shoveling back in, in the back door. And he says, but God has a bigger shovel. You can't outgive God. What a quote, huh? I keep shoveling money out the front door. God shovels it back in the back door, but God has a bigger shovel. And it's true, you cannot outgive God. In our scripture reading, second, excuse me, second Corinthians nine, verse six. But this I say, Paul says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a can we say it together? Cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. As I mentioned earlier, everything belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24 says the world and all that's in it belongs to the Lord. Psalm 50, verse 10 and 12 tells us that the world is mine in all of its fullness. Everything that's in the world, God owns it all. And God entrusts us with, many times he'll entrust each one of us with a little. And when we're faithful in the little, he'll entrust us with more. And when we're faithful with a little more, then he'll entrust us with even more. And then when we're faithful with that. He entrusts us with even more. I believe it's easy to be generous with other people's money, isn't it? If you were to give me $5,000 now and you told me, okay, I want you to give to the church and to other people that are in need, I would have no problem giving it out because it's not my money, right? And I would find, you know, it would be really easy to take that money and say, oh, okay, this is, yeah, there's a need here and there's a need here and there's that's that and there's a need here. And, and so if you gave me your money and I've got the, this this lump sum, I'll make sure you say, well, I want it all gone by, by Friday. Okay, Friday it is, you know. I'll make sure the 5,000, it's gone by Friday. If you ask me to do that, I could do that. And I believe if we had that understanding with the Lord, if we understood that it all belongs to the Lord, if we can get in tune with, with the leading of His Spirit and say, you know, I want you to distribute this and I want you to distribute that. And, and it's His money. If we realize that it's His, I think it, it makes it a lot easier as we give to realize that it all belongs to him. Nothing really is ours. This is the verse I was looking for, Philippians 4, 17. Paul says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And I truly feel that way. That's, it's not that 
when I were teaching on giving that we seek a gift, that we're, you know, we're looking for anything. Paul's saying that, please don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not that I'm seeking. I want a gift from you or I want something, but I, I want to see that fruit may abound to your account. I, I want to see that you have a fruitful life in, when it comes to giving and, and to tithing and offering and that, that you would be prosperous. And I know for the most part, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm preaching to the choir but there could be someone in here, maybe you've never heard of that tithing before. Maybe you didn't, didn't know. Maybe you're, you're the one here that wrote me a letter and says, you know, God, you know, it's not in the New Testament. And maybe, you know, but I want to challenge you with the word of God. Not my opinion, not your opinion. But what does God say? God doesn't need our money. When you hear someone on television or on the radio that says, God needs your money. And if you don't support us today, you know, this ministry is going to be gone and, and all that stuff. Then God doesn't need your money. God owns everything. More than anything, God wants us. Amen? And I believe in my own personal life, let me just speak with my personal life. God wants me. And when I give him myself, when I submit my life to him, when I surrender my life to his lordship, he changes my heart. He's conforming me into his image. He's changing me from glory to greater glory. He's changing me into the image of Christ Jesus. And I'm called to spend time with him. I'm, I'm called to just, you know, be about his business. And when I'm about his business, he takes care of my business. My God shall supply for all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And I have, and you have, a very giving God. And the more time I spend with him, the more generous I am, the more I want to help people and, and be giving to people. And when my heart's not that way, that to me personally, I'm not putting this on you, I'm per- personally... It shows me that there's something going on, that I, I need to change something in my life because I never want to be that stingy person. Do you ever see a little kid with a, like a little fire truck? He's like, mine. And someone tries to you know, play with it. No, mine. He's pulling it out. Mine, mine. This is mine. And I don't want to be that in my life. I don't want to be mine. This is mine. No, it's not. If you're a Christian here today, nothing belongs to you. It's God's. It all belongs to God. My question is, what does he want to do with what we have? We can invest in the temporal and it's going to last just for the temporal. But I want to invest in the eternal. I want to step into heaven. And I want, I want it to be that when I step into heaven, when we step into heaven, there's things there that'll last for all eternity. I don't want to step into eternity. I don't want to step into heaven and to hear God say, well, I entrusted you with this. Yeah, you used that for yourself. I entrusted you with this. Yeah, you used that for yourself. Yeah, I gave you this. I gave you a great career. I gave you a great this. I gave you a wonderful family. And yeah, you invested in your family. You invested in that, but there's nothing up here. There's nothing here for all eternity. You, you invested in the temporal, and yeah, you did good in the temporal, but you didn't invest up here. I don't want to hear that from my life. I, I personally don't want that. I, I want to step into heaven and say, you know, the investments that were made as we do the labor of love, as we do the, the plays, as we do these outreaches, we're investing in the kingdom, we're giving out the gospel, we're, we're letting people have an opportunity to hear Jesus Christ, uh, that they can have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and we're, we're spending our resources, we're doing whatever we can to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ, to promote his word, and to, to get his word out to the community, and to do our best to get outside of the four walls of the church, to let people know about Jesus. And I can stand up here and honestly say, that's where my investment is. That's where I want my investment to be. Because those things are eternal. So God doesn't need us to do anything. 
but he wants us to partner with him. And even as Gaius, he said, basically, back in verse 8, he says, therefore you ought to support such, receive such means support such, that you may become fellow workers for the truth. That means for the word of God, the truth of the word of God. So the encouragement goes out to Gaius. Good job. I pray the encouragement goes out to us. Good job. And hopefully all of us that are here, we have a giving heart. And if not, God can change that. Amen. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.